said, I didn't say anything, actually. And they said, yeah, um, we've, we've got a report of you trespassing. So uh, I said, no, no, I'm not hurting anything. Huh? I'll just stay here. So after they asked me about 100 times, they finally dragged me off uh, across the street into the squad car. Now, hold, um, hold on. Now, this was Mr. Cristofaro's home. It was, it was owned by him? Yes. Okay. Now, um, what were, where did they decide you were trespassing? Oh, as soon as, actually, the police car came and talked with uh, the NLDC. Um, New London Development the, Corporation. Yeah, well, the person who comes out to the neighborhood mm-hmm. that uh, patrols things and makes sure things are. are right. Make sure that they're uh, properly confiscating the property from these uh, <laughs> uh, property owners. Yes. And uh, he talked to the police first. They didn't talk to me f- first. Uh, the, they talked to him and then uh, came over to me and. So they decided that you were trespassing on Mr. Cristofaro's land, who you had permi- whom you had permission from. Yeah, who I've uh, you know I've wa- for- watched things for him before. Okay, so the it, it doesn't it doesn't make much sense the whole trespassing charge. I would say since the uh, I wouldn't say the NLDC owns the land legally in any case. Okay, so uh, more more than more likely the police were trespassing on Mr. Cristofaro's land, not you. Okay, so um, they put you in the squad car and they. Uh, what, carted you off to jail? Yes, uh, off to the New London Jail, which is mm-hmm. like the, the worst hole that, uh, of any prison uh, probably in the United States. <laughs> well, I suppose there's bad prisons and worse prisons. Um, <laughs> there aren't any good ones. Um, and processed you through, and then uh, tell us about the uh, court appearances. Uh, let's see. First court appearance uh, arraignment is uh, there was uh, the prosecutor actually spoke in my defense as a, as a, he said I didn't do anything violently and uh, asked the judge for a what a low bail yeah and the, they said it at $20,000 since I was uncooperative and would not talk with the bail officer now um also you're uncooperative and the police had to pretty much carry you everywhere yes how did they transport now obviously they they just don't have the backs to uh, carry you everywhere how do, what do they do <laughs> like pick you up put you in a wheelchair um cart you off that way or uh the new london police had a uh, uh a chair that with wheels on it okay. that, that they set me in. Hmm. And the way that the wheelchair, uh, you were in a wheelchair a year ago or a year and a half ago when you were arrested the first time. Was um, was were there any other were there any police officers that saw you again the second time and you know were rolling their eyes? Oh my gosh, he's back. We're gonna have but, to do all this work. They all knew me. Yeah, they really? they, they knew me by name and uh, and yeah, they had the wheelchair ready. <laughs> <laughs> they knew you were coming. So um. And and uh, how did it proceed as far as the court um, the court went? Um, I refused to say anything. I refused to ask for a public defender. And uh, the judge says, "You just make it hard on yourself." Uh, uh, Sounds like he was making it hard on you. <laughs> well, that's the way I thought of it. But he uh, sent me to the state prison. So, um, more or less, he it, it appeared as though you were getting punished for what? Not uh, respecting the judge's authority. Um, you know, the the uh, you weren't speaking in the courtroom when spoken to, um, which I think is part of your Fifth Amendment rights. I mean, I'm just just guessing. Yeah, that's that's what I would expect. Too. Now, how do, how were you treated in in the jail? I mean, I imagine you were about as uncooperative there as you were um, in the courtroom. Yeah, for the first few days, I didn't speak to anyone. Uh, the the prison people remembered me. They mm-hmm. uh, they locked me up in a bathroom when I got there first. <laughs> Why did they put you in the bathroom? They couldn't figure out how to or wh- what to do with me, I suppose. Wait, uh, and they were they waiting for they the. They didn't know uh, where to put you as far as confinement goes. You weren't violent enough for them, or 
No, they were like uh, deciding if I should go to the mental health wing or oh, I if see. I should go to the general population. Or they had a, had to bring all the uh, high um, officers together to talk to me. As though they're going to know whether you should go to the <laughs> mental health wing or whether you should. That, go. Well, there was a magic word in prison for a lot of uh, cases, and uh-huh. in this case, when they bring you in, if you say they ask you, "Would you like to hurt yourself?" Or do you feel like hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. If you say yes, yes, or if you say nothing, they send you to mental health. I see. But why would one want to go to mental health? Uh, no. It it is a little bit better um, conditions than the. Did you find it better? Uh, it was. Okay. It was about the same. I'm just wondering. I I I haven't been there. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> oh, the windows are bigger in the mental health area. <laughs> than There's the a other plus. <laughs> you get to see more of what you're missing. All right, so uh, we've got our Internet back online. The streams are on, uh, so thanks to everybody who's being patient. Of course, the night that I announced we're going to have Lauren Canario on the show, uh, we've got major router troubles. Uh, Your sidekick has to do the interview. I, I was trying to, uh, to resolve them just before the show, and uh, it only took about 30 seconds in, but here we are. Um, Lauren, great to have you in the studio here on Free Talk Live. I know a lot of our listeners have been... Uh, eagerly following your case and and watching and listening and wondering what was going to happen and it's quite an honor to have you sitting in the studio right now today and and i just want to thank you and and your husband jim for coming here tonight um with that in mind you were arrested a year and a half ago in new london you were arrested again this year uh in new london both of them uh both of the arrests for pretty innocuous stuff i mean a year and a half ago it was standing in a stairwell that's right it's just uh the police don't like it. The New London police don't like it when you don't respect them. And somehow, uh, I guess, not following their orders is not respecting <laughs> them, right? Because you were just trying to go up a year and a half ago to a town meeting. Right. I thought there would be a lot of people behind me and uh, also complaining from the same thing, but they all backed down at the They last went moment. down the stairs. Yeah. Now, if they had actually all stayed there, then things would have been a little different, wouldn't they? That's what I was hoping for. Right. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> most people are, are pretty docile. Most people are fairly good about following the orders of the police. And I was actually on Gardner Goldsmith's show today here in New Hampshire, and we were talking about your case. And, and I was telling him why it is that you're a personal hero of mine. Now, not just because you've been arrested a couple times. Anybody can get arrested. But the way, you, uh, the way you behave once you are arrested, or I guess your lack of behavior, however you want to describe it, is really what I think is the most uh, courageous thing uh, about you. Um, what led you to the uh, non-cooperation sort of motif. Uh, what, how did you get down to, to, to that idea in the first place, and what led you to, uh, to activate in that way? Uh, I think uh, what really inspired me was uh, what Etienne de la Witte as a uh, um, voluntary have, servitude thing. He I says, have no idea what you're talking it, about. It's a, he's a, an old philosopher from 500 years ago okay. from France, and he pretty much said... All you have, you don't have to kill to get a revolution. All you have to do is stop supporting the government or the people who are hurting you. They can only hurt you by the amount that you cooperate with them. So you decided to um, cooperate at the very bare minimum to the point of even not even walking where they wanted you to go. The police had to pick you up, carry you places, load you into a wheelchair. In fact, I found it really interesting that when you got, uh, when you were released, it was yesterday, right? Or yeah, it was yesterday af- afternoon? Was it? Yes. Um, when you were released yesterday, you said in your um, your blog post, or not a blog post, but your post on nh3.com, that they came to get you in the morning, told you that you were going to go to court, and I guess they didn't tell you you were getting out at that point, 
But I sort of had it in my head that, wow, she might, she might have known she was getting out. Maybe she walked out of her jail cell. Even at that point, you still uh, required them to uh, lift you and carry you into the courtroom. Actually get a kick out of making the guards do extra work, yes. Yeah, so, uh, They're not used to that. <laughs> I bet they don't like that much at all. Right, which is why I think the entire approach is, is so brilliant, because they don't know how to handle something like this. They're used to people just following their orders and doing whatever it is that they ask them to do. But you sort of throw a, just a monkey wrench into the entire system. And that's what I think is so brilliant. And I wish more people would, uh, would take you as an example and adopt your methods for themselves as well. I want to talk about that coming up. We're going to come back with more of Lauren Canario. Your calls as well at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it is the Friday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are completely free, and that does include the bulletin board system. We have got over 140,000 posts, over... 1,300 people are interacting there, and it is totally free. All kinds of different things uh, being discussed, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live brought to you by Jewel Thornton's uh, excellent book, A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Do you have a child in your life, be they son, daughter, or sibling? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. I said it was an excellent book. I haven't read it yet, but you said to me yesterday, Mark, that our listeners have over, uh, ordered over 50 copies of these in less than two weeks. So I'm sure if it was uh, bad, they would have gotten back to us and said, hey, this was a scam. <laughs> But you, you said we're going to get a review copy, right? I, that, that's my understanding. All right. Now, I, um, from what I, I guess, it's uh, that, uh, you know, I mean, it, this is the only way you're really going to teach kids about money. I mean, is through the family, and this is a great tool to, you know, work along that line. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of parents don't know much about money, and so uh, they don't teach their kids about money. So <laughs> let someone else do it, like Jewel Thornton. All right, so we're back with Lauren Canario. She is uh, the heroic protester, non-cooperative that was arrested in New London, Connecticut, not once, but twice, uh, once last year and once again this year, now uh, being released from prison in uh, Niantic, I believe it was, Niantic, Connecticut. You had been there for about, was it 90 days uh, exactly? Exactly 90 days. So three months sitting in a prison cell for essentially sitting on a front porch, as I understood it. You were on the front porch of one of the property owners uh, the in the New London versus Kilo case, um, one of the the people who had given up his property, I guess, was in the process of transferring over um, at that time. Am I correct about that? He uh, still had rights to go and uh, keep care of his garden, which uh, was part of the bargain that he struck with the city, was to uh, keep his uh, his vineyard and his uh, trees, orchard trees and things. Really? So he gets to keep that from here on out, or that was the city was agreed to transplant them to a new location for him. I see. So while that was uh, while they were waiting for that transplant, he still had control over it. 
Got it. So you were there reading a book, and uh, the police came and arrested you. You once again engaged in your non-cooperative ways, which I think is uh, is awesome. I think a lot of people have a lot to learn from that, and should I really suggest that they pick up on those ideas. And basically, the concept is that whenever the police want you to do something, you do your best to not do it, right? That's right. I'm, a, I'm never never violent. I never uh, feel angry or feel You're like... You're not resisting. Yeah, I just don't help them. Right. So, and when you say you don't help them, that means to the extent of if they tell you to get up, you're not getting up. If they tell you to walk through that door, you're not going to walk through the door. If they say uh, it's time to put the handcuffs on, I don't raise my wrists to, to help them. But when they move yeah. your hands, you aren't actively resisting. Yes. You aren't preventing them from moving mm-hmm. them. Got it. They know how to handle people that are actively resisting. Yeah, that's a club to the head, right? Right. Um, they, they really don't know how to handle people that just kind of go limp on them. Now, are you speaking to the police officers? Uh, no, I did not speak. Uh, once I got into the squad car, I didn't say anything for, uh, I don't know, several days, maybe a week. There were some people that you interacted with. When we were all out at the, uh, when, there was a group of us that went out to try to see you at, uh, I, th- I think it was your hearing. Uh, I'm not sure which which one it was, but we were there and they sort of fooled us. They told us you were going to be there at a certain time. And then we all went outside while we waited so we could protest on long side of the road. And, of course, they brought you in while we were all outside and didn't tell anybody about it. Um, but we were I guess one of the, the bureaucrats there had mentioned that you were talking to her. So there were certain individuals that you sort of selected to speak with. At least that's the way it seemed. What led you to decide to speak with some bureaucrats and not others? Well, oh, if they ever started to ask me or command me to to do things, I wouldn't wouldn't respond. But if they were just friendly, just saying, uh, what do you, you know, how just, you feel? Are you going to be okay in the courtroom? Or are you going to walk? Or sometimes I would respond. I see. So so you sort of had some that were more fr- friendlier than others, and because they weren't uh, total um, rude, heartless, completely heartless bureaucrats, you did actually interact with them to some extent. Yes, and I always talked with uh, my fellow inmates. I didn't have any problem talking with them. Who? Um, thank you for bringing them up. Who did you meet while you were uh, in prison? What sort of interesting personalities did you come across? That, that's uh, I could like write a volume on the, the personalities <laughs> I met in prison. They're incredible and uh, funny and generous and uh, everything uh, good, good about the world and everything bad as well. Wait a minute. What, what, why weren't there a bunch of violent thugs yeah. in this prison? What's going on? Well, it was women's prison, and they're not quite as violent as men. And uh, and actually, uh, if you think about it, a murderer uh, is a murderer is only one act, and every other they're a human being, you know, in almost right. every other aspect. And and just they just got you know did the crime once, and they're they're pretty uh, reasonable other other times. So um, you mentioned to me, uh, I guess off the air, is that there were gangs in the uh, the women's prison. I mean, you see the when you watch the uh, the movies about prison it's always about the men's prisons but you don't really get to see uh what the at least hollywood thinks about women's prisons what um what were the gangs like exactly there i mean how many gangs were there and how were they divided was it sort of the uh the racial divides that you tend to see in men's prisons or was it something else it was a lot like an auxiliary of the men's prisons they allied themselves with the the men of the of the usual gangs you hear about, the Crips and the Latin Kings and things like that. So they were the female Crips? Yes. Hmm. Were you recruited into uh, any of the gangs? <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Have, they weren't interested in the uh, peaceful, uh, non, uh, non-threatening non person like myself. 
were there gang fights and that sort of thing that were going on? I mean, what, no, that, what was the be- what's the benefit of being in a gang while you're in a women's prison? Uh, I think people bring up the fact that they're in a gang just to say to raise their status among the the everybody else. Say, don't mess with me because I'm in a gang. I see. So it's more likely that if uh, you bother the, um, that if they're bothered, that uh, several people will jump on um, the person doing the bothering as opposed to just them. Got yeah. it. Makes sense, I suppose. How was the food? Pretty rotten uh, the first week, but uh, I I didn't eat very much, and after missing about you know weeks worth of meals, it, it started tasted to better. taste very good. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it did. And, and at the end, I was going, yeah, give me more of that oatmeal. You you missed it on purpose, or the because I remember you uh, sent a letter, I believe, out to Cat Dylan while you were in in prison that they just forgot to feed you a few times, right? That was sporadically they forgot to feed me. It wasn't a regular thing. Uh, I did refuse meals for a whole the first week. Do you feel like they uh, they forgot to feed you, or they forgot to feed you? No, I th- I think uh, if I would have said something, I would have brought my food. But I was more happy to 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 get them to do something wrong than to, to eat the food. Hmm. Now you got a lot of correspondence while you were in prison, or at least I think it was a lot. I I it seems to me that when people get locked up, uh, you really find out who your friends are because most people. The uh, their friends sort of just melt away and disappear, and you're lucky if you even get mom to come in to see you. But you actually had a number of people contact you, and if you don't mind sharing some of the highlights from that, who you heard from, and uh, I don't know any th- any interesting correspondence that went on. I want to come back uh, with some more with Lauren Canario and your calls as well at 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Lauren, now would be a great time to call in 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Also joining us in the studio is Ms. Lauren Canario, or Mrs. Lauren Canario. Are you married? I'm not even sure about that. Yes, I am, but I kept my maiden name because... Ah. Uh... Lauren Johnson has too many ends in it. <laughs> so you're here. You're fresh out of prison. Uh, it's barely even been 24 hours since uh, since they just unexpectedly decided to let you out. Essentially, what happened was that uh, you were uh, you were in for three months for essentially reading a book on a front porch in New London, Connecticut, uh, as you attempted to continue the the good fight down there, which. We're going to get into um, as to whether or not you feel like it's over yet or not. But uh, as you sort of continue to uh, to stand up for the liberties of those property owners down in New London who are attempt, uh, who the government was stealing their property from via eminent domain, they locked you up in the clink three months sitting in there with you didn't you hadn't even really had a trial yet. Uh, they had a hearing where they then locked you back in jail and then they said, well, okay, you're going to have a speedy trial sometime in the next eight months. And then you just sat and waited in prison uh, as, you know, crossing your fingers, wondering when you were going to come home and and see your friends and family. So now here you are. Thank goodness they decided to let you out uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, while you were in prison, 
we were here, obviously, keeping up with your case. Anything uh, fresh that came out, like, for instance, you would send out some letters from time to time to Cat Dillon. She'd post them at nhfree.com. We'd take some excerpts, read them on the air, because we know our listeners were uh, were concerned and uh, and wanted to know what was going on. And, in fact, I think they you, certainly probably, did. you probably heard from some of our listeners while you were in prison. That's right. Uh, I got many, many letters uh, from, like, 35 or so different people, sometimes, you know, really frequently as well, of people I didn't even know. Uh, or never met, I don't believe. What was the sentiment, uh, from the, especially from the people you didn't know? From my, the people I did know, they were very concerned that, uh, that uh, they were treating me right and, and worried that I was being mistreated. But uh, from people I didn't know, they were going, yeah, go ahead, we're with mm. you. Be, you know, stay strong, Look, you're doing great. Awesome. Did uh, that, how did that make you feel while you were in there? It gave me a big head and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you have more mail than any other prisoner that you knew of? Yes, I did, and uh, they were actually so concerned with um, my mail that they read it, that actually read my mail and sometimes would not give it to me depending on what the content of the mail was. They, meaning the prison? The prison, yes. So, yeah, in fact, we experienced some of that. My girlfriend attempted to send you a card. Julia uh, tried to send you... It was a card that someone had sent Russell Canning, who's also uh, a uh, an activist here in New Hampshire... They had sent him the same card, but he was in a New Hampshire prison, and or I guess it was a federal prison in New Hampshire, but nonetheless, a prison uh, inside New Hampshire, that they let through. So he was able to get this card in a New Hampshire prison, but in Connecticut, they decided that it was subversive and that it was promoting violence. And what it was was a, a piece of art. Uh, it was a postcard with a piece of art on it that had some, uh, I guess it had some Chinese soldiers pointing a gun at some guy, uh, some guy's head, and for some reason, it was actually anti-bureaucrat, was what the card was. So, shocker, they didn't let that through. You, you couldn't actually see that. Now, would you, when, when they rejected a piece of mail, would you know about it? Would they send you notice that they've rejected mail, or would you be co- completely in the dark? Well, I, I'm sure sometimes they lose things between the cracks, and nobody knows that it's lost. But, uh, yes, the, officially they would send me a notice that they were had stopped or they had censored some mail due to a violent content. I see. And how many notices like that did you get? I got one for violent content and a whole bunch for people trying to send me books without going through the proper bureaucracy. Yeah, there's some sort of unauthorized unauthorized senders, that sort of thing, unauthorized publications. I think the books have to go through a certain route or something. You have to ask permission to send the books. and Which you know. I did, and uh, like the, the first or second month I was there and the, the third month... Uh, Still, nothing came through. No, no authorizations. I would, I could say the uh, the mail that I got was uh, was 100 percent in favor of me. I never got anyone saying I was stupid or <laughs> I was waiting for the, the the hey you're stupid get a lawyer type of things. Mm-hmm. But it, none of that got I got got to me. Do you think and, a lawyer would have helped you? No, uh, my point was gonna was being made that I didn't trust the judicial system from front to back. Uh, you know. Any part of it, even lawyers. And so I was going to try and see what would happen if you went through without one. Well, didn't we talk about the Mark Stevens article a little while back where he essentially pointed out that lawyers, even defense attorneys, have to take a, a swear an oath to the state that they essentially work for – to some extent, they are um, – their units or, or um, they're so enmeshed in the entire state process that they owe allegiance to the entire legal system above and beyond their client? Well, it's something like a, a cult of lawyers, I remember, is what he was calling right. the legal system. And, man, he uh, he certainly made a good case for it, um, that, in fact, it was a cult of lawyers and that they all uh, 
you know, bow to the head lawyer in the black robe, that kind of thing. Let's talk about the uh, the legal ramifications of some of this. For instance, one of the things that I think that you're so courageous for is not, uh, again, part of the non-cooperation is also not signing all of the paperwork that these bureaucrats want you to sign. Now, thankfully, I've never been arrested before, but I know some people who have, and uh, they're, I'm sure they want you to sign all sorts of paperwork. Paperwork because you've got uh, stuff in your pockets, and they're going to hold on to it, and you've got to sign a release on that. Paperwork uh, for bail, paperwork to get out. Did you sign anything this uh, this time while you were in jail? No, I didn't sign anything, and uh, one, uh, I just said... Uh, no, thanks. I uh, refuse to sign. And a lot of times they just said, oh, OK. And they'd put down refuse to sign in the signature area and went on their merry way. But uh, sometimes that didn't work. And I, I had to have the same uh, pair of clothes the whole time I was there because mm-hmm. I refused to sign the uh, request for uh, for more clothing. I see. So, um, OK, so there were, were there were no real consequences beyond the fact that you didn't get any extra clothing for not signing anything. No, it was uh, they seem to have uh, to deal with that pretty gracefully. That's that's interesting because they did slap you with a refusal to be fingerprinted charge. So there's no refusal to sign paperwork charge, but there is a refusal to put your hand on a ink blot. Essentially, is are they still using ink these days? Uh, they do in New London, yes. Okay, so there was that refusal to uh, to fingerprint, which that was actually dropped on you. And was there any suggestion as to why they dropped the charges that they did? Because yesterday, when you went into court, they threw out, what was it, two of the three charges? That's right. Uh, there was criminal trespass. There was refusal to be fingerprinted, which I heard was a felony. And uh, there was... Wow. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, due to the Patriot Act or something. And, wow. Uh, the third one was uh, uh, interfering with a police officer. And I, I imagine that, I'm not sure, but I think that was the least of all the charges. And that's mm-hmm. the one they kept. So they kept that charge on and essentially uh, gave you, was it time served? Uh, the technical phrase was uh, immediate uh, discharge or unconditional discharge. So. Does that probably mean that you, th- you think that you were in there longer than what you, if you had interfered with a police officer and they'd convicted you, that uh, they would have only given you like two weeks or uh, you know a month in jail and you were actually in there much longer than you should have been on that charge? Yes, my uh, inmate friends were, who know know the system much better than me said, yeah, you could get out of that on uh, you know, uh, 15 days, I think, or mm. or something along those lines. But I think what's important is that you, since you didn't sign any of their paperwork. You never agreed to abide by their laws because, as I understand it, when somebody's handed a bail a, a, a bail sheet and uh, there's all kinds of small print on there, I'm sure, but they're told that, so you want to get out of here tonight? Well, just sign this piece of paper and uh, hand us whatever X amount of hundreds or thousands of dollars you have to, to hand them. Just sign this paperwork, hand us some cash, and you'll be out on the streets. And people want to get out so badly they want to get out of that cell, they'll sign anything. They'll they, sign anything and hand over any amount of money. They're desperate, and they actually plead guilty to things that they never did right. in, in plea bargaining. It and, does happen. Yes, just to get a, get a lesser sentence. Well, plea bargaining is a whole other, uh, yeah. whole other issue. You never even had to face that in this particular case. Um, well, yeah, I did, I did talk with the prosecutor at the very end. I see. It, well, did you plea? Or did sort you, of. Or they entered a plea for you? It was a special legal technicality. Can you explain that when we come back? Yes. 800-259-9231, the legal technicality. We'll find out what that is and your calls as well. If you've got a question for Lauren Canario, 1-800-259-9231. This is your show, and it is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you for all your voiceover IP needs. Packet8.net. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Also joining us is uh, Mrs. Lauren Canario. We... uh, Really appreciate you taking an hour out of your evening. I'm sure that... Are you a little sleep-deprived? I mean, just getting out of prison, is it easy to sleep in a... Uh, what is it, a hard... Do you, do you even get a bed in there? You do get a thin mattress, and it's actually... That's what most inmates want to do all day, is sleep all to day sleep. to make the time pass faster. Gotcha. So were you well-rested when you got out, or did you really need a good night's sleep in your own bed? No, I, I didn't have any problem with the mattress. I was used to it. Everything was uh, was dandy. What was the first thing you had to eat when you got out? Good question. <laughs> well, it just shows what you like. Yep. Uh, pizza. Pizza? Yeah. I like now, pizza, too. Now, when I was down, when we were down in New London and uh, outside at the protest, Jim was obviously in attendance, and he told me that everything in New London stinks uh, as far as the food. It's all rotten. And indeed, I went to a nearby uh, Chinese food place, and it wasn't so great. Um, but did you have the pizza in New Hampshire, or did you actually give the business to somebody in, uh, in Connecticut? No, I waited till I got back to New Hampshire to eat. Excellent. I know that there's a number of people that are essentially boycotting uh, the entire state of Connecticut as a result of this. Uh, all the businesses and everything in uh, the state of Connecticut. I certainly don't plan on going back down there for any reason. Um, 800-259-9231, your questions for Lauren Canario. By the way, we're brought to you by the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum, happening February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Now, Lauren, I don't know if you've been approached on the Liberty Forum since you've uh, gotten out of prison, but I know I want to make a suggestion because you and Russell Canning did a fantastic presentation at last year's Pork Fest, which is the other gathering of uh, Free State Project members in the state. This year they've got the uh, the Liberty Forum that they're putting together, which is going to be more of a uh, kind of a, a convention-style atmosphere. And uh, would you be interested in appearing and perhaps speaking at, at that event uh, on civil disobedience and that sort of thing? Sure, I would, but, uh, but how can I compete with John Stossel? Gee. Well, there's really going to be a lot of different things. He is the keynote of, speaker. There's a yeah. lot of different things going on, and, and I'm going to definitely make a suggestion that they, uh, that they get you involved in that, because I think that would be great. And, of course, in other Free State Project news, the first 1,000 pledge has cracked the 800 mark, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we've got less than, what is it, 170-something people that we need, uh, need to 174. get 174. Uh, I think it's blown through 800. It's 825. Um, pretty much did that in one day. Um, there's, I mean, things are changing uh, for the first 1,000 program, and it looks like... Uh, there's a lot of people making phone calls, talking to a lot of different people, making, um, you know, sending out emails, encouraging people to sign up. And I think the first 1,000 um, program is going to make it. I don't, I, it, it seems to me like it's going to make it. It's definitely getting a boost here in the remaining days, though there are only a handful of days remaining before the first 1,000 pledge uh, window closes. Lauren, I presume you are a first 1,000 signer? Yeah, that's right. I am. And I actually wrote a, a plea for the first 1,000 while I was in prison. But, uh, of course, I got thrown into SAG, and I couldn't get the, to the mail to send it to you. Oh, no. I, then I wrote it again from memory, and I sent, sent it again, but it still hasn't, hasn't gotten to the recipient, so I'm going to have Could to... Could you recap it here yeah, on the air? Yeah, if from memory I can. It was a, a plea to everyone who uh, is running a business or uh, has investments that make it impossible for them to move to New Hampshire. Uh, pretty much... The rebels here are are already here. They're already tearing down the laws of licensing and uh, uh, the unfair laws that might hinder you. And the uh, the reformers are already here. They're 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 in the political system. They're getting elected. They're are changing laws already. 
And uh, the, the there's patriots here that uh, that lo- love their uh, privacy and their hard currency and and firearms and uh, gee, they're uh, they're just they do wait. love their firearms. They, here. They're here. They're they're your customers. They're here. Uh, if, there's no reason for you to stay in those slave states where. That's an excellent yeah. point. I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of. Uh, there's a, been a lot of internal support amongst the movement of Free State Project members. Like, for instance, if I'm given the opportunity to support a business run by a Free State Project member or a business run by somebody who is not, I'm going to choose the Free State Project member. So you're pointing out that uh, if they were to come here, they'd have a built-in customer base. And where would you rather invest your money? Where would you rather build your reputation, but in a free state and not a state that, that you know that, that charges you every time you turn around for, that you know takes every drop of blood out of your body and every spark of energy out of your mind? I mean, get get over here. It's not the free state quite yet. They're still they're still jabbing us with these property taxes, amongst other things. Yeah, but we're working on that. The, the people who 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 really care about that are working on that, and they're laying the foundation for the businesses that should really. Yeah, cut and run, really. Get to the free state. Bring your money, bring your investments, and bring your businesses and, and build them here. i got to say, that's, that's so the most... Well, we've heard that excuse from a number of people who've been on the phone with us here on Free Talk Live. Oh, I built my business down here in you know California. I can't leave. I've got my customers. And I never really had a good retort for that or good response for that. i got to say, that's probably the most persuasive one that I've ever heard. Like, no one's ever been able to address that before, because what do you say to somebody who's spent a decade or two building a business somewhere? I mean, I, I can understand how hard it might feel to just destroy all of I that mean, I and don't transfer know. it here. I, it would depend on the the business, but, I mean, there's 500 people in the state currently that would be rather loyal to your business, and um, they would these are activists. These are the sort of people that would want to support your business. I know that I support the Keen Free Press, for instance, mm-hmm. that's uh, around here, and I, I encourage people to read it. And it's run by uh, free staters. Absolutely. And it is such a great business climate here as well. Uh, the regulation on businesses in New Hampshire is nowhere near as heavy as it is in other states, like especially California and places like that. Oh, uh, the technicality that got you out of uh, out of court or I guess out of jail. What, what was that and how did it work? Because they called you into the courtroom. They dropped two charges. They said you're still facing uh, one charge for resisting a police officer's order or whatever the exact phrase is. What was the technicality that uh, was activated there? Uh, well, I guess they knew that they have to, they would have to. The only way I would really voluntarily plead plead out is if I didn't have to say uh, I'm pleading guilty to that charge. So they they drug up this uh, thing I never heard before, the Alfort Doctrine, wherein if you can, for all practical purposes, you are pleading out, you're pleading guilty to the charge. Right. But you never have to say. I, I uh, think in some I, states, in I, some states, they call it no low contendere. I think that's different, but anyway, okay. they called it the Alfort Doctrine, Alfort in, Doctrine in Connecticut. You don't have to say, "I plead guilty to this charge." Mm-hmm. You just say, "I didn't do anything wrong. I don't want to stay in prison anymore." And you're and, essentially throwing yourself at the mercy of the court at that point. No, no, no. that's that. You're saying I'm guilty, but I can't say but I'm guilty. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to uh, have a trial. I don't care if I have a trial. I'm just. Gotcha. I've done the time that I think I should do, and uh, I would like to be free. And you are. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so welcome back. And, of course, the question that I've been wondering about for the longest time is, how do you feel about the situation in New London today, and are you done with your uh, your battle down there? Oh, when I got out of prison, there was uh, – so the local folks were there to meet me, the uh, the, the Kilo 7, the Magnificent 7, I call them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and they they were they had a million ideas for what to do in the future. They're they're not done with this. <laughs> <laughs> and there's uh, plenty of activists. Oh, there's a number of activists, and actually in New London, in Connecticut, and they're still fighting this. And uh, if anything is built on that land, they they have plans. <laughs> really? I guess we shouldn't probably reveal what those are here, but it sounds it sounds pretty intriguing. Now, have you made the suggestion to any of them that maybe they want to consider leaving Connecticut and coming to New Hampshire? Yes, each every one that I talked to in a personal basis, I said, you know. There's a place where they wouldn't even take uh, Judge Souter's home by eminent domain. Come mm-hmm. up to New Hampshire and see what it's like to be free. Uh, Do you think anybody will uh, sign on? There's, there's still a possibility. I, I certainly hope so. I think this is certainly a better place for uh, for someone like that, especially someone who's been persecuted by the government like that. Why bother sticking around? We read the. Uh, the did you get a copy of the uh, Suzette Kilo's Christmas card? Did you see that? Yeah. yeah, I think that had something to do with my release. Really? It was. It made national news the morning they came to get me. Oh, that makes some sense. That's true. We actually scooped Rush Limbaugh on that. Did you know that? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> in the uh, in looking back on the whole. Um, uh, thing. Are you are you done? Do you feel like uh, you accomplished what you were looking to accomplish? What are you thinking about as far as retrospect on this? I think I did a, a good job. I think uh, I'm I'm a natural at uh, at enduring prison, and mm-hmm. it's not really that tough for me. <laughs> and, Would be uh, awful for me. <laughs> yeah, I I can do something not a lot of other people can do, and bring light, shine light on places where it needs to be shined, even though there's some inconvenience to myself. And that's all I can th- consider it inconvenience, and uh, I would do the same thing in the future, probably. And we we certainly um, would hope that you would spend uh, more time in prison in New Hampshire than you would <laughs> down in Connecticut. I mean, if you're going to spend more time in prison, it'd be a lot easier for the rest of us to uh, to come there more often, do more protests, get more active because it's a you know it's a three hour drive at least from from here to there. Um, so I th- I think you'd probably see more activity around your case if you would take it out of Connecticut and keep your uh, your activism here. But in whatever you decide to do, we certainly support you, Lauren. And uh, thank you for coming in here and uh, spending a, spending some time with us on Free Talk Live. Thanks. It's and of course, great. thanks for amping the show even while you were in prison, which is fantastic. Yes, it is. So we will see you again um, probably tomorrow because there's going to be a party at uh, at your house. Details on that are at nhfree.com. A sort of a welcome back party. So we're looking forward to seeing you then. And uh, we're coming back with hour number two here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The Packet8.net toll-free line for you. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. Right there, front page of the website. All kinds of different stuff you can access at freetalklive.com. So do enjoy all of that. You can also join us on our website at Free Talk Live, uh, I'm repeating myself, uh, all upset here. We've got all kinds of technical problems in the studio. But the phone lines are working, which is a good thing. So we're, we should probably go to the phone, shouldn't we, Mark? I mean, we just finished a fantastic hour with uh, Ms. Lauren Canario. Sounds like a good plan to me. Let's talk to Josh in Kentucky on the Amplifier line. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Josh. Man. What's on your mind? Um, Mark had the uh, team going for the... First 1,000. Yeah, I've got and, a uh, I've got a group of people together who are making calls for the first 1,000, trying to get people to sign up. 
Yeah, me and Francisco from New Jersey, we were uh, teaming up together to knock him out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we called this one guy, and, uh, you know, Fran was talking, and he asked him, you know, if he was interested in the first 1,000. And he was, and he said that he wasn't going to move to New Hampshire for two reasons. And he said the first reason was that there was 10 nukes in the USA and that they're all going to go off in about a month and they're going to hit all the coasts, and that's that's why he didn't want to move to New Hampshire. Well, did you tell him that if um, <laughs> if it's going to go off in 10 months, that the first 1,000 program goes all the way to the end of 2008, so if by chance the nukes don't go off, he could move afterwards? No, we were just too baffled to talk yeah, at that baffling. point. Yeah, I'm sorry. So this guy, wait, 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 wait <laughs> hold on a second. You guys are calling existing Free State Project members, that's right? Correct. So this guy was a member. He at one time wanted to move to New Hampshire, but now has come into the information somehow that uh, someone's going to let off nuclear weapons in the United or States. Or misinformation. He said that the only safe place was Colorado, and that's where he's going to move instead. Why is Colorado safe? There. I thought that's where they had the nukes. I don't know, but he said that uh, that some doctor there is going to let him grow pot on his on some land he's going to buy, and that, that's why he's going to move. <laughs> well, uh, good luck to him. Yep. <laughs> Any other uh, stories for us, Josh? No, that's it. You did will you, get some winners. Did uh, he ask to be? Uh, did he ask to be removed from the uh, from the Free State Project? No, he just said that he wasn't going to move, and he said the second reason was that he was killed in a car accident and, and revived, and that's why he's not going. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Josh. We really appreciate it, man. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I think he just wanted to share that he was killed in a car accident and revived. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's how he got the insight into the nuclear weapons. He mm-hmm. had one of those near-death experiences, talked to God, and God said, Buddy, you better move to Colorado. Uh, let's continue with the calls here. Let's talk to Brian in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. You're in the safest place in the world, Brian. How about that? I feel very safe here. <laughs> you called in last night with a, uh, a snow update. What's going on there uh, this evening? Well, the, the snowplow finally came through about 3 o'clock, but it wasn't the county snowplow. It was our private guy. And he did a great job on our on our uh, development back here, but it wasn't until about nine or ten when the uh, when the county snowplows came through. I see. So you did finally uh, they did finally clear out that main road that uh, that you were waiting on. Oh yeah. Did yeah. you make your fifteen hundred dollars? No, I, I I was lazy today. That's a shame. No, my my little car wouldn't make it through the the snow anyway because it was just too late. I mean, I had to be there at eight o'clock, and these guys didn't get in turn until almost noon. So gotcha. Are the people still stuck but, at the airport? I, I think they opened it up, and they moved them all out. I mean, you know, Denver is used to this stuff. They're just yeah. not used to this this level of it. But gotcha. Yeah, they, they got all the all the, the the people out there, all the all the planes going. So, uh, not that the flight attendants or the the pilots could make it in, you know, but they got planes full of people there. So, anything else on your mind tonight, uh, Brian? Yeah, I, I just I wondered there was a there was a, a, a uh, first, you know, congratulations on Laura Canario. You know, she uh, she really inspired me to to join the Free State Project. That's excellent. I have a feeling that there's more. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that not only were inspired to join the Free State Project uh, by Lauren and what she's done and and the courage that she has, but also inspired to move sooner rather than later. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a look at my business right now and trying to figure if we can make it there by the end of 2008. Uh, it's still still kind of iffy, but. Um, uh, there's definitely a chance there, and and you know people like Lauren uh, make that go a lot faster. Make me think a little more about you know I don't want to be stuck here in, in uh, slave state, 
you know, I'd rather go to Free State. You know, um, if you think you can do it, I would really encourage you to, to, to sign up. We only need 173 more people by uh, December 31st, and it would be great to have you. Brian, thanks for the call, man. We really appreciate hearing from you, and good luck uh, in the snow. 800-259-9231. Had some freezing rain today up in New Hampshire, but still no snow on the ground here. I haven't really experienced the freezing rain. I guess I probably napped through that or whatever. Yeah, I didn't really experience it. I didn't want to go out in it. It was cold. It was cold. Um, So, all right, 800-259-9231. Let's go to Ohio and talk to Greg. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, hey, how you guys doing? Hey, man. Hey, what's on your mind, Greg? I was just reading a new, uh, not a new book, but Transformation of America. I didn't know if you guys have ever read that or anything by Kathy O'Brien. No, I'm not aware. What uh, Do you want to give us a quick uh, rundown? Well, what it's about is her being under mind control by MK Ultra back Oh, in, like, boy. You say, it's kind of, it's really crazy. It does sound stuff. crazy. Um, like, how could uh, you be under mind control, exactly? Well, it said she was like a, uh, the CIA had her under mind control, and hmm. she was used by... Senator Byrd for a sex slave, and Dick Cheney used her, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. And it's really, really odd, but it says that here that she's passed every lie detector she's ever taken, and that she was saved by a guy that used to be one of her handlers. Very she bizarre. Was prostituted. Yeah, she was prostituted. Now, now the CIA's um, shown again and again that they're pretty darn close to incompetent. You'd think that if they could uh, do mind control, they wouldn't screw up so often would think so but it's it was really interesting book does the woman have reading. any credibility i mean who is she i believe she, she does i've read like all like the uh senate they actually had senate hearings on this she went in front of the senate back in the 80s on it about the secret um mind control camps and things that the you know, mind control have. camps yeah there's a lot more that's been under mind control and they're prostitutes you know there's a big sex trade it's you know it's been for years you know, in these other countries and that, and they say they've been selling for drugs and cocaine, that Clinton was running the uh, drug trade and Hillary, and it's it's really bizarre. But I Yeah, it, it sounds bizarre. How, so uh, what happened to the drug trade when Clinton stopped being the mastermind of it all? You know, I mean, I've been, I'm halfway through the book. I'm not, I haven't mm. the whole thing yet. Does not she say news. how the mind control thing works? Like, is yeah, it a well, death ray or like some sort of mind control ray or is it uh, pills? I mean, black how helicopters. Does that, how does that work? It was so, you know, it's, I don't know how how it's all working. It's like they've got her program, like like things that, like, on Disney World, like the sex stuff that they do would make her think it was Disney, that like she was at Disney World when they were doing these things to her and keeping mm. her under control. And I've seen the lady's DVD she had a, where she spoke. The guy that, that got her out of the mind control mm-hmm. said that he got her deprogrammed. So she can kind of start remembering everything that happened to her in her life. Because actually what started was her dad was a, was a pedophile and that he uh, he used her for so long that he got caught trying to sell or send out kitty porn. And so supposedly Gerald Ford was at their door before he was president. Wow, this sounds like quite a uh, complex uh, book. Really, now, it would be it, hard it, to make all this up, you know what I mean? A lot of allegations it, here. It would be hard to, I would agree that it would be hard to make it up, but I would think that somebody who perhaps, I mean, it sounds to me like she's just plain old delusional. And if you are indeed delusional, you're going to pass those lie detector tests because right. you believe what you're saying. That's true. It could be that uh, my my supposition here is that she was, if it's true that Daddy was a pedophile and uh, Daddy was doing uh, nasty sexual things with his daughter, that can really have an effect on uh, somebody on a physiological um, 
that psychological basis. You can just mess somebody's mind up permanently. And if she had a lifetime of uh, of being uh, molested and abused by her father, then she might just ver- very well believe anything that anybody told her, and uh, she may very well have lived in some sort of a weird fantasy world and then constructed some sort of a weird uh, reality around it, which wasn't really even the case. It may be the case that she never even contacted any of uh, Senator Byrd or uh, Dick Cheney, or maybe it's all true. I don't know, and I don't think we probably ever will. Greg, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I mean, what do you do with allegations like that? There's absolutely nothing you can do. Uh, I mean, if there's something solid to them, if it's more than just her making a claim, and she can, you know, she can prove that she was in this location on this day, and that you can somehow prove that Senator Byrd or whoever else was there, then maybe you got something. If you've got something solid, then you could have a case, right? You could maybe sue them for molestation or rape or something like that, but. She's just writing a book. Yeah, hopefully so, it's an interesting book. Sounds like she just wants to cash in. More's on the way. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and that does include the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both for your listening convenience at freetalklive.com. So do enjoy them and get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. As we continue with the phone calls, ladies first, Maggie in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, Ian and Mark. Hi, Maggie. Hi. What's on your mind? Hi, this is my first time calling. I'm a new listener. Congratulations. Bought an iPod, went on to their little download site, and found you guys there. <laughs> wow. How did I you find Free Talk Live? Because there's a lot of podcasts there. No, you're listed as one of the top ones on the iPod. If Excellent. You go to the iPod website to download free iPod, uh, free podcasts. You iTunes, guys are yes. Up there on the featured special listing. So Great. You're actually way above all the rest of them, so you're in a great spot there. How convenient for us. So uh, it brought you on board, and welcome to the program. Uh, what's on your mind tonight, Maggie? So what I was, so I wanted to talk about two things. First of all, I want to say I'm a Christian, and I understand that Mark believes in a God, and that you're not a you're an atheist. That's correct. But I wanted to encourage all other Christians to consider and listen to Free Talk Live and the Free State Project. I haven't signed on yet. But I've been listening to the show for about a month, and I'm really – I've never voted. I fall into that category of the young women under whatever 30 that never voted because they're just discouraged and disgusted with the whole process. How did you get and, to that point? Uh, I mean, what led you to being so sickened with it all? Oh, my gosh. I just hate everything that goes along the politics, the Democrats and the Republicans. I'm neither. I can't stand the games and the crap they play. I hate big government. I hate them sticking their nose and everything, and I never had heard of anyone before. Um, I didn't know there was a group called, you know, um, like you guys that would actually that weren't for one or the other. And I just found you, and then I was like, wow, I think this is what I am. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's quite an eye-opening experience when you discover that, hey, 
there are other people that think like I do. <laughs> it is. And then you guys call yourselves, what is it, la... Libertarians? Libertarian, yeah. Liberty-minded. Well, actually, we had a conversation. I don't know if you, uh, how soon you've, or how recently you tuned in, but uh, we had a conversation recently about how sort of like libertarian sort of becoming this bad word. Um, uh-huh. It's not really, it doesn't mean a lot of, uh, it doesn't mean anything to anyone when you say it to them. And yeah. so we're actually kind of looking for a new label. We're looking for a new term uh, to go by. So we're open to ideas. I had no idea that label even existed, and I don't right. think most people around, I'm in California, most people here that I know, they never heard of that either. So it's all new to us, but yet we believe the same thing. And I think um, a lot of Christians, because you have kind of like two groups of Christians. You have the religious who are, you know, really stick it down your throat crap, which I don't agree with. The Pharisees. Then you, then you have people that believe in doing the right thing and the spiritual side of God and love. And I think a lot of those people that I know would agree with the libertarian perspective and would be interested in signing up and, you know, joining the movement. I think you're probably right about that. It's just the trick is getting the word out and uh, and spreading the message to people and not having them uh, shut you off right away. When you heard uh, Free Talk Live for the first time, you didn't have any sort of uh, negative, uh, negativity towards it. You just sort of keyed in and said, yeah, you know, these guys are saying things that I agree with. Yeah, it just kind of hit me right away. I think that um, sometimes you're a little bit aggressive, Ian, when you do talk about it. You're like... You come off a little anti-Christian, but I think a lot, a huge part of the audience should be the Christians that are not the kind that stick it down your throat. Oh yeah, oh, that's, sure. Those are I definitely uh, those part. are definitely our listeners, no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, I come off, uh, I'm a little bit jaded, certainly, yeah. but I think I, tr- I try to come off more against uh, organized religion than anything oh, yeah. else. I'm against it too. I think that they just, I don't go to church, but I believe more strongly than I would say most of the church believers, you know, believe. And I try to do the right thing. But so I just wanted to mention that. And then I also wanted to ask you guys about the Iraq thing. You know how we're, um, I disagree with being in Iraq. I mm-hmm. think we never should have gone in there. I, could, I saw the whole process from the beginning of, from 9 11. I knew they were going to use it to get in there and pull all this crap, and they sure enough did. But I wanted to ask, part of the reason that I've heard that they went into Iraq is because Saddam Hussein had just set up the trading, the the oil. They took it off the U.S. dollar, and they put it on the euro. And he just set that up, and we had to go into Iraq to get us off of that. Otherwise, the U.S. dollar would no longer be used as the means of trade. I think we've heard something about that. but that, We've also heard something about Iran going in that direction as well. And they all were going in that direction, and we and this they tried this. Someone else tried this before Iraq did. This is the second time our country's tried that. The first time we went in there and kicked her. I forget the country, but we kicked their butt, switched them back. This time, as soon as Saddam did it, he did it like a few months. I think he did it in like the beginning. I forget like two months before we went in, or three months before we went in there. You know, beat them up and switched them back. But well, it's not going to have much of an effect in the long run because as the dollar continues to devalue through inflation, yeah. 
Um, you're going to see more countries. I think uh, Wayne was in here last week telling Looks us like that China's dumping that dollars. China's getting ready oh, yeah. to dump it, and there's mm-hmm. no way in hell that George Bush is going to invade China. <laughs> so really, converting Iraq back is going to ha- is going to be like a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of the world. So there's all kinds of problems. And Maggie, uh, I invite you to continue listening to Free Talk Live, and thank you for calling it. Oh yeah, have you seen the Shrine of Female listeners yet? Yes, I have. I didn't like the topless. I mean, they covered up, but I thought that was pretty distasteful. Well, well some do, some don't. Like, there's you know? different. There are different women on there. Women are going and, uh, to, you know, going to be individuals, and uh, I'm certainly not going to turn them away if that's what they I want. I have to. considered it, and I'm still considering it. Okay, great. Well, thank you for listening, Maggie, and uh, we hope to hear from you again. Thank you for the call tonight. Do you have a solution, Ian? Before hmm. I go, which uh, to what? How, to the European if. Are you guys are for pulling out, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Free Talk Live, oh, I mean, we take a, the pro-liberty position on war is that mm-hmm. if there's going to be conflict, it needs to be defensive. So, for instance, the military, if you're going, if you're going to have a military, yeah. then it probably should stay in the United States and defend yeah. the United States from any sort of, uh, you know, like the Chinese want to come here and roll the tanks in. Okay. Well, then we could defend. So essentially, we're accepting the demise of our economy because once we pull out and we let the them go to the euro, then we're, the, our entire economy will, of course, inflate. And Actually, collapse. the reason why inflation happens is because the government prints money. Um, I know. So that's, they're not going to stop. That's, yeah, they're not going to stop. And that's what the problem is. Mm-hmm. All of these other things that you're seeing here, these re- the response, if they really invaded Iraq for that reason, we still aren't really sure what the real yeah. reason was. But if that was the reason, that's just them trying to cover up the damage that they're doing yeah. uh, with inflation. And so that's the real up. issue. Maggie, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Of course, and as she pointed out, rightly so, that's not going away anytime soon. That's how the whole military-industrial complex is funded in the first place. It's, it's through yeah. the printing of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the bankers that have so much money and run so much stuff, they don't want to see that stop. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Matt in D.C. wants to talk about eminent domain. Your calls about whatever's on your mind. This is your show, and it is Free Talk Live. You take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. All your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net, 1-800-259-9231. You bring up anything. Yeah, we'll talk to you about it. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the uh, all the features that we have there. And you can keep up to date with the show by going to updates.freetalklive.com. You want to get clued in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our website, it is completely free. And uh, yes, indeed, uh, if you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, and they do it in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses. That's support Free Talk Live as we go back to the phones, to the fun. Matt in D.C. on the amplifier line. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, how you doing, man? Great. Hey. What's on your mind? 
Well, actually, first of all, great Christmas present, Lauren's out of jail. Um, yeah, I, I only awesome. the last 10 minutes, though, so I'm kind of confused. Is she free and clear, done completely? Yep, she's out. She's here in New Hampshire, and uh, everything is all good. Time served, I guess. Excellent. Okay. Well, here's what I want to suggest. You know, for those of us that can't go sit on porches and get arrested and fight, you know, through that way, um, something that I did um, not too long after the whole uh, New London thing came out and everything uh, is I switched my bank. To um, what? Well, the NB&T, actually, is the name of the bank, but other banks have done this. The president, shortly after the new, new London thing, came out, with a, came out with a policy, a statement, and said that they won't fund construction projects that are for, for private commercial interest on land that was taken through eminent domain. You said that it was um, the bank BB&T? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I actually I switched to BB&T also um, at that same time. For the same reason, right? For the, same, for the exact same reason. And they said that they had a landslide of people that switched to BB&T based on that. Well, exactly. And so, I mean, I know we're always looking for, like, free market solutions, not to deal with the government and sure. that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, if more and more people would just contact their, their banks or whatever and say, look, I'm taking my money elsewhere. If, if you guys are going to – if this is the way you plan on making cash with my money, because essentially that's what they're doing is they're loaning out your money to get a return on the investment. Right. You know, so it, it just it, – there's a you know, there's more than one way to, I guess, fight the power, to use a cliche. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. But, but for me, that, that's a big one is cut off the funding to these organizations to do this stuff. Unfortunately, I've had to uh, close my BB&T account because there isn't one here in New Hampshire. I've encouraged them to open one. <laughs> I, I really wanted to. I think they were a great bank um, and you know enjoyed my you know doing business with them, but it's really just difficult to do the uh, – So they don't have the online thing. They're not one of those. They, they have the on- – oh, they absolutely have the online thing, but I don't want to send stuff away. I want to have a bank where I can go yeah. and get money and that kind of thing. I got gotcha. you. But yeah, that's an excellent idea, Matt. You know, taking action in a, a simple way. You don't have to be a porch-sitting, uh, disobedient activist to make a difference. And if more people were to take act, uh, action like you did and use their market power, essentially voting with their dollars, then uh, we could definitely sh- uh, change things for the better. I think that's uh, that's excellent. Thank you for that message. Anything else on your mind? No, just uh, people should, uh, in addition to switching banks, people should give uh, money to the amp line. <laughs> Excellent, Matt. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That is the toll-free number. I think and he's right. You can take control of the airwaves. So uh, let's move into an, an issue here, Mark. Let's talk the draft. What's going on? There's more winds a-blowing. Well, uh, apparently from, from the uh, Associated Press, the Selective Service, the federal agency that would be integral to any draft effort by the Bush administration, will perform tests on its system equipment. The, the Associated Press says. Um, mm-hmm. Selective Service is planning a comprehensive test of the military draft machinery, which hasn't been run since 1998, uh, writes Casey Hunt. The agency is not gearing up for a draft, the agency official no, to, uh, no, no. told, told uh, the AP. The test itself would not likely occur until 2009. Um, <laughs> this is how long it takes, it takes them to, to test. Can you imagine? Um, but they claim, wait a minute. They claim that they can implement the draft within a matter of days, right? They claim sure. within a matter of months. They can't they can implement, implement a test for three years, apparently. I don't know. How much I does mean, this test cost? We're probably being lied to all around, so I don't know what to say about it all. But um, the Bush it doesn't it doesn't give me a cost here. Bush's Secretary for Veterans Affairs, Jim Nicholson, uh, meanwhile remarked that society would benefit should a draft return. He later issued a press release stating he does not, in fact, support reinstating the draft but just that society would benefit um fear among americans yeah you know i saw that retraction and i took a close look at it and i sort of read it as he was asked a question by a reporter and Mm -hmm. he gave that answer that society would benefit 
and the the reporter had phrased the question that if uh, if all uh, people from all walks of life in America, their kids were forced into a draft, um, that that would make it more equitable or whatever. And he said, I think he was replying to that he believed that society would benefit if um, people of all walks of life were drafted. I don't. It was weird. I'm really not quite sure what he meant. And the backtracking's interesting. Well, I don't know what he meant, um, but. It, you know, it, it's to me, it's dangerous when the guy, the the secretary for the Veterans Affairs says the society will benefit from um, a military draft. So, right, I I, I find it's that more interesting that they're scary. testing the mechanism. Now, uh, you could jump back and say, well, they tested it in 1998. Nobody thought there was going to be a draft then, so it could be just a coincidence. I mean, it's a Look, once. I'm a, just reporting this stuff. You once know? every ten years, sort of thing. If they're going to do it 1998, 2009, then maybe it's not really anything to get excited about. But at the same time, it was you know. Just earlier this week that President Bush called for more troops in Iraq, right? Yep, and uh, he admitted yesterday that the uh, United States is not winning the war in Iraq. He said he's seeking... Who admitted that? George Bush. Oh. And Laura Bush said it, too. I heard her. Wow. Yeah, she said, but but he didn't say we weren't, that we were losing either. What? Well, that's... It's a standstill. Right. A stalemate. I don't think so. Things blowing up all over Baghdad, and it's a stalemate. No, that's not a stalemate. Three and a half years later or whatever not, it is. It's not a stalemate when you're pulling bodies out. Nope. Not a stalemate. Well, I, I suppose if, uh, if if both sides are pulling out the same amount of bodies or something like that, maybe you could call it a stalemate. I don't know. Yeah, but we don't have statistics on the number of insurgent bodies that are being pulled out. Nope. And I don't think most. And how would insurgent- we know that they were insurgents anyway? Right, and I don't think most insurgent attacks. Not that I know. I haven't really been following uh, the methods of attack very closely, but it seems that most uh, most insurgent attacks are IED, uh, improvised explosive devices, to where they set up the bomb and then they just sit and watch as uh, the soldiers trip it. Mm-hmm. And if there's gunfire afterwards, that's a possibility, but. It would seem that the insurgents aren't really interested in engaging directly the military forces. For right. Good reason. I mean, why, why would they? I right. mean, you're going to lose if you directly engage the United States military. Right. And that's, that's really the, the difficulty that the United States military is having, is that they, they can't fight the war they want to fight. They have to fight the insurgents' war. Yep. And that's why this um, you On know, their land. decentralized guerrilla warfare is just really difficult for an army to win. I was talking with uh, my roommate last night about um, centralized forces versus decentralized forces. He sort of was echoing some of the concerns of some of the people that have said, well, what if they roll tanks into New Hampshire? I don't think he was Well, they have rolled tanks into Baghdad. That's true. Um, I don't think he was really concerned that that was going to be a possibility, but just sort of, we were just sort of exploring the idea. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's going to happen, but if it did... I can imagine they would have just as difficult a time um, fighting a ground uh, battle in New Hampshire as they would in Iraq. Mm. I mean, because I don't think Americans are going to stand for their own troops coming into their streets, pulling people out of their homes and and uh, and arresting or even executing them. I don't think well, that that's going to. I don't think that uh, the armed populace of New Hampshire would stand for that. Um, if it if you, if it could become a prolonged campaign. The military would definitely lose, but if they could swoop in and do what they needed to do quickly and then get out, um, then they would win. Has the military ever swooped in and done anything uh, quickly and, and gotten out? They did in the first Gulf War. I guess. That lasted a few years, though, didn't it? No. No? No. How long did much. that they last? They just went in drove... It was 10, so, you know. No, they went in and drove Iraq back into Iraq, uh, well into Iraq, basically stopped From short Kuwait. of Baghdad. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. 
800-259-9231. So do you feel the draft winds blowing? Uh, have you seen anything else that might indicate that we're heading in that direction? There's certainly been telltale signs throughout the past several years. And now that they're testing the draft infrastructure, it seems a little more spooky all the more. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. On the way, we'll uh, delve into the email box. And uh, I think you've got something else, Mark, although I don't have the prep in front of me, so I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. Somebody with a bullet in their head, and they want to keep it. This is Free Talk Live, Friday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. But we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff. Free Talk Live branded merchandise, in fact. We've got hats, t-shirts. We've got the free marketeer flag. We've got archive collections from way, way back in the old days. Classic archives on DVD collector sets. All there, store.freetalklive.com. Alternately, um, in addition, actually, you should go and shop at amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all of your holiday shopping done. Uh, there's very, very little time left, obviously, to do it. But it's not too late to buy an Amazon gift certificate for anybody on your list. Head over to uh, amazon.freetalklive.com and get that done. You can shop there 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And anytime you go to amazon.freetalklive.com and buy something, Free Talk Live gets a percentage. Sweet deal for everybody. All right, so uh, let's delve into the email box here, Mark. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's go to an email from Jacob. He says, I wanted to respond to your question about how people can think that it would be okay to nuke Iraq until it was a glass field. I think he means grass. But uh, no, anyways. A glass. Um, glass? If, if you heat, heat sand, it will turn to glass. That's what. Oh. Yeah, so no, he's right. Glass. Yeah, you know, I didn't pay too much attention in uh, physics class. Or whatever class. I used to be of that mindset, and at least for me it was due to what I thought the question was. Because I'd ask the question on the air, just sort of rhetorically wondering, why could someone possibly think that nuking a population full of innocent people is a good idea? Jacob says, I've always been told that if you're going to fight, fight to win. I think that at least among conservatives... It's a common thought process. The problem, as I see it, is that most people incorrectly believe that the choice to fight or not has already been made, in this case, by the government. So, they want to win. It wasn't until I started listening to Free Talk Live that I even heard arguments against the war that didn't have a pacifist feel. Like, if we, were, uh, we weren't attacked by a country, we've been in the Middle East for the past couple of decades, etc. So, yes, uh, Free Talk Live is not pacifist. No. Um, I do not support pacifism. In fact, I don't understand pacifism. There's a guy here in uh, in New Hampshire who um, is a self-avowed pacifist, and great guy. I, I like him personally. Yeah, me too. He's very friendly. But and I, an amplifier. And he is an amplifier. Uh, but but uh, I didn't want to... I, I tried to understand it, and I just can't. Like, I feel like a pacifist, when they actually when you hold their feet to the flame... When their life is actually in the balance, for instance, if they're getting mugged or assaulted or possibly murdered, I I really find it hard to believe that they're going to stick to their principles at that point. I really find that hard to believe. It, it would be difficult for me. 
it'd be difficult for me to, and I, you really would have to be absolutely dedicated to the idea of pacifism. And of course, if you don't know what pacifism is, uh, Mark, how would you how would you describe Essentially, it? Essentially, uh, under no circumstance will will you commit violence against another um, human being. Whether... Right. It doesn't matter if they're uh, trying to kill you or rape your girlfriend. Or no reason. It, yeah. There's no excuse. You just have to stand there. And I guess you could run away. I right. suppose you could do that as a pacifist, but really, it seems like it's usually somehow religious based. Like, uh, you know, the explanations I've heard is that um, turn the other cheek. You know, no, we, we you know, we're so single minded, so um, we have such a uh, you know single perspective that how could we know what the greater um, purpose of things are? And you know, you know, God's got control of these things, that kind of thing. Now, I wonder if uh, you've got a story, Mark, about a guy with a bullet in his head. I don't know if you had that up. You had to reboot your computer. I got it. I'm ready. But I wonder, was he being a pacifist at the time that he allowed himself to be shot in the head? I think not. No. What happened? Um, Port Arthur, Texas, from the AP. The middle of Joshua Bush's forehead, two inches above his eye, lies the evidence that prosecutors say could send the teenager to prison for attempted murder. A nine-millimeter bullet lodged just under the skin. Prosecutors say it will prove that Bush, 17, tried to kill the owner of a used car lot after a robbery in July, and they have obtained a search warrant to ex- extract the slug. But Bush and his lawyer are fighting the removal. <laughs> An illegal and medical oddity that raises questions about um, patient privacy and how far the government can go to solve crimes without running afoul of the constitutional protection against unreasonable searches and seizures. It's unfortunate this arguably important piece of evidence is in the place where it can't be easily retrieved, said Seth Chandler, professor of the University of Houston Law. How does it, and do they go into how it proves? What's that? The, their allegation as to how this bullet could prove this? Um, apparently he got shot by, you know, like, if it was him, then... and Him the, robbing the car if dealer. If it was him robbing the car dealer, and the car dealer shot him, um, then, you know, they would know that it was... You know that was him. I mean, he's basically been tagged by that gun. Then they then they would have evidence that placed him at the scene of the crime. So that's all they have. I mean, beyond the car dealer saying it was this guy. The only other there's no cameras or anything like that. They just have the bullet in his head, and that's all they have to go on. I mean, how many other people are walking around with a bullet in their head? Uh, Well, it seems like that's pretty good evidence. Yeah, that seems pretty. I mean, it may be a little circumstantial. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it doesn't tell you what happened, but it does place him at the scene of the crime. And that's very important. Um, You have to balance our desire to convict the guilty against the um, against the government, not poking around our bodies on a supposition. Investigators say that Bush was part of a group of gang members who broke into a used car lot and tried to steal vehicles. According to police, Bush tried to shoot the businessman, Alan Olive, when Olive, Alan Olive, excuse me, Alan Olive (laughs) returned fire. A bullet struck the teenager and burrowed into the soft fatty tissue of his forehead. I don't know about your forehead. Not a lot of fatty tissue there. I'm yeah. Pretty darn hard. Anyway, um, Prosecutor uh, Ramon Rodriguez. What state is this? This is Texas. Okay. Um, said gang members who took part in the robbery identified Bush as one of those involved. Tight-knit gang, apparently. Yeah. Um, when he was questioned <laughs> about a week later, Bush admitted t- taking part in the robbery, but not the shooting, police said. The officers, oh, they, they were shooting at the guy who was owning the car lot. Right. Okay. Um, the officers uh, noticed the guy looks li- like hell. One of his eyes is black, and he has a big old knot in his forehead, Rodriguez said. He tells police he got hurt playing basketball. A few days later, Bish went, Bush went to the hospital, told doctors he had been hit by a stray bullet as he sat on a uh, couch in his apartment. Officers <laughs> started putting vents together, Rodriguez said. A judge took the uh, unusual... Well, where's the hole in the wall? Well, I, yeah, I mean, he would have to prove that, but... Right. Uh, 
Anyway, obviously the cops didn't believe that story. A judge took the unusual step of issuing a search warrant to retrieve the bullet from Bush's head in October. But a Beaumont doctor, that's the town just north of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Port Arthur, um, determined that small pieces of bone were growing around the slug, and he did not have the proper tools in the emergency room to do it. What's the point in trying to retrieve this bullet? I mean, they can trace they it want to the prove gun that it was that gun that fired right. it. They how can, can trace they tra- it. How can they trace that? Well, be- they they do forensics on bullets. I mean, they they can tell whether a bullet uh, has come out of a gun if you haven't uh, n- unless well, it had like to a, come out of a gun. But the, how can they tell it came out of that one gun? They don't have that microprinting thing that they want to mandate. No, no, there's in Texas. there's grooves from the rifling on the barrel and that, that kind mm. of thing. I mean, they can they can prove that. Unless the gun has been, um, like, a, a thousand rounds have been shot through the gun since yeah. then, in which case the rifling changes. What I want to know is when they were robbing the car yard mm-hmm. and uh, they were shooting at the owner, I guess the owner came out and started shooting at them, they shot back. Was that what happened? That, that appears to be, uh, there, there was gunfire exchanged. The, the, the owner hit this kid in the head. I mean, I understand that he lived through it, and so it was a mir- miraculously safe shot that occurred. But don't you think he would have maybe hit the ground? And uh, I mean, did he get up after he was shot in the head well, and run away? I'd have to say he's one bad mamma jamma. He caught a bullet in the head and apparently yeah. got away from the scene of the crime. He did get away then. Yeah. Wow. They they caught him a week later. Um, the doctor said that the removal would require surgery under general anesthesia and that no operation rooms were available. Please. Do you think? Well, okay. So the issue is, do you think that the the cops should be able to pull this bullet from this guy's skull? I don't think so. What do I think? Yeah. I, I would have to hear so. arguments on both sides. I'm not prepared it to answer. It doesn't seem right to me. I'm just looking at it from the from what I know. It doesn't seem right to me uh, that you can sign a piece of paper and cut someone open and take a part from them. I don't think that that's appropriate. Well, hold, hold on just a second. Um, you know, basically to get a search warrant, um, you would agree that search warrants make some sense under a certain amount of preponderance of evidence, right? Um, sure, but I would consider searching someone's um, innards an unreasonable search in any condition. I I understand, but getting a search warrant under a preponderance of evidence um, makes some sense. This is to build the case. The case already exists against this guy. His gang member buddies say it was him. Right. And um, he says, I was there, but it wasn't me. And the other guy, and then the guy with the gun says, yeah, I shot shot the guy who shot me. Right. I'm, I, I... you know, it seems to me there's enough evidence against this guy in particular. Enough evidence to uh, go into his body and pull something out? Yeah. I mean, surgery is a uh, dangerous thing. I mean, if even... you can prove it's a bullet in there, um, and, and I mean, actually, he, we know it's a bullet because he said that he got shot in the forehead in his yeah. apartment, pro- apparently through the floorboards or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the ground or, I don't know. Um yeah, I'm sorry. There's a bullet in his head. He participated in a robbery. The um, the, the victim of the robbery said, I shot the bad guy. Um, I don't think any of that justifies going into someone's body and uh, con- and per- and sur- engaging in surgery on that individual. I mean, surgery is dangerous. Even the most uh, lightweight of So is of shooting surgery. a used car dealer. Even the most lightweight of surgeries, though, um, could result in someone's death. More's on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Hour 3 coming up. Your thoughts. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 3 of the Friday edition. And you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. That is the point behind the show and why we call it Free Talk Live. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because they are totally free. That is, again, freetalklive.com. Last hour... There was a story that you uh, read towards the end of the hour about a, a young man who is in a gang who went to a car yard or car lot, used car lot, and they were trying to steal cars, apparently. I presume it was at night, and I mean, I guess you could steal cars during the middle of the day. Probably I guess, not such a great idea. I would say that it probably makes more sense at night, but it, I don't have any indication as to what time it was. But then again, the owner of the yard was there at that time of day, or that whatever time it was. It was the it was. evening. Yeah. Anyway, they went in there to try to steal some cars. Uh, a gunfight erupted, and one of the gang members took a bullet to the head, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Somehow survived and managed to get away. So he left the scene. The police came after him. They caught him. They arrested him. He admitted to being in the gang. Well, his he... gangs snitched on him, and they caught him a week later. Oh, okay. The gang member snitched him out. Uh, he admitted to being in the gang. He admitted to being in as part of the robbery but claimed that he was not one of the ones who was shooting at the car lot owner, who was, of course, shooting back and hit him in the head with a, a 9 millimeter slug, I believe it was. And the police want to get the slug out of this guy's brain, but apparently, uh, according to x-rays or whatever, they found that the uh, some of the parts of the, the skull have surrounded the bullet to some extent. Right, there's where, some fragments. To where it could be difficult to get it out. Mm-hmm. And Somewhat difficult. I mean, they're, um, I, I would say the most danger that the, the gentleman faces, um, gentleman, okay, that the possible perpetrator of this crime faces yeah. is being anesthetized. Um, anesthetized. I think that this is a problem, and I see where you're coming from on this, Mark, is that you want this guy to get the full punishment due to him for mm-hmm. shooting at the, uh, the owner of the, the car yard. And and to that extent, I understand where you're coming from. I certainly don't support gang members in violence and th- uh, stealing things and all of that. Right. But at the same time, I feel like it's an unreasonable search and seizure, even though they have a warrant, even though there's plenty of circumstantial evidence around to say that this was the guy and that uh, if we just had this piece of uh, this piece of evidence, we'd be able to convict him. I think that it's it doesn't call for invading somebody's brain not to their pull brain. something no, it is, out. It is not in You're his brain. You're invading their skull to pull something out of there. You're not even going into his skull. You're invading his skin. The bullet's lodged in his skull, is it yeah, not? Yeah, but you're not invading it. Well, I mean, you would have to go into the skull to be invading you're it. You're doing surgery on somebody. Removing in order to... a bullet from his skull. Right. In most cases, when somebody has a piece of evidence in them... The police can't go in and get it out. They usually, if like you swallow something, they force you to wade and sit on the toilet and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. In which case, they're in con- they're in control of the uh, medicine that goes into you. They're in control of the right. toilet that uh, and anything that comes out of you. But they're not in control of what's inside of you. Exactly, and, and I think that's okay. But going inside somebody, cutting someone open in order to retrieve something, which may not even lead to a conviction. I mean, in the long run, it, there may be another hole in their case somewhere. Who knows? Right. Um, they, they might have dropped the ball, not crossed their T's, dotted their I's, might all get thrown out on a technicality, and then you've invaded somebody's body for nothing. But even if that evidence is critical, I don't think it, it overrides somebody's uh, right to life, essentially. I understand he's a low life, he's a bad guy, but there is a chance that he... You know, he is telling the truth as well. I mean, there is a chance that 
that he was shot through, randomly shot through the wall there's in absolute, his house. There's abs- no, no, that's not true. Um, that, there's no way that's true. That's ridiculous. Um, well, that's what his defense attorney is saying. Sure it is. Um, but he's also saying, I was there at the scene, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I mean, the, the timing, everything makes sense on this right. bullet. I mean, it seems really unlikely to me. Now, um, the one thing that I would call into question is uh, Mr. Alan Olive, the uh, business businessman that they describe him. They don't describe him as the owner Okay. Um, that uh, shot him. You know, you never know exactly what's going on in a, a fracas like this. I mean, are you exactly sure you shot the guy who shot you? That's That would be what I would call into question. Um, but, I don't think it's it's worth going into somebody's uh, head, uh, opening them up. Well, and, uh, if it wasn't the government involved, would you support it? Well, why on earth would a private organization ever make uh, any sort of a move in that direction? Well, if it was a private security organization in this magic world where the government doesn't exist that you talk about. Well, in that particular uh, if situation... If the magic dragon wanted to get the bullet out of his head, is there some kind of circumstances that we could go through in order to get the bullet out of this guy's head without uh, He would have to consent to it. He has to consent to it. Yeah, in a in a voluntary uh, organization, in a, a voluntary society... So if we both can... Pe- hold on. You asked the question. Okay. In a voluntary society, both parties, the accused and the accuser, have to agree on the arbitration. They have to agree on the arbitrator, and and therefore they agree to whatever the arbitrator decides is appropriate. I can't imagine anyone would agree to an arbitrator that would take a position like that, but they would be free to contract if that's the way they wanted to do it. Okay, well, I can tell you in most states, I don't know about Texas specifically, but I suspect since it's the state that kills the most people that it has some of the tougher laws, that if you go in with a group of people in the um, you know and commit a crime, that you're just as guilty as the guy who pulled the trigger. So if I was the prosecutor in this case, I would say, look here, Mr. Bush, you can either give up that bullet in your head and we can talk plea bargain, or I'm going to stand firm and you're going to get life in prison for attempted murder because somebody in your group attempted, um, attempted to murder this man. If he consents to it, then I don't have a problem. Yeah, it, but going into gonna, somebody's he's body... He's going to consent to it because I'm going to put the lever to him. Well, he was committing a crime, and he's admitted to committing a crime, and he should he's be punished. He's admitted to committing the crime that they're accusing him of, actually. He it's didn't just, admit to shooting at the guy. No, 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 no. Look, when, he, when, when somebody in your group, you, me, and a couple other guys, um, go and commit a crime, uh-huh. I shoot somebody. Oh, I you because you went with me, you get I'm the same... Guilty. Charge. Right. I the agree exact with you. Chain charge. It, there's no problem. I mean, he was there committing a crime. There's no problem with putting, you know, putting a. Fine. I'm just telling you that that we can make it voluntary. Putting, putting an voluntary. iron, you know, a hot iron to him, essentially, uh, so to speak, and uh, getting him to uh, to agree to it. But just tying somebody down to a gurney and uh, going into their body without their permission—that I have a problem with. But I want to hear what you think should be done. Eight hundred. 259-9231 is the toll-free number. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. As we move to Christianity, we had, I believe it was Maggie, call in last hour, and she mentioned that she was one of the good Christians. She was one of the Christians who believes that uh, they, they, she believes in her God, and she sort of keeps it to herself. If, I'm sure if you asked her about it, she'd be happy to tell you. But she made the point that she wasn't one of those Christians that shoves it down the throats of others. Um, she wasn't one of the Pharisee Christians, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. one of the Christians that wants to uh, impose their belief system on everybody else around them. And in regards to that, 
There's an article over at uh, CNN.com written by, apparently, um, none other than the son of Tammy Faye and Jim Baker. Huh. His name is Jay, and also, I guess, Mark Brown is a uh, staff member of their Revolution Church, because uh, he's the minister of, uh, of a church. And the question is, what the hell happened to Christianity? How, where did we go wrong, says he? How was Christianity co-opted by a political party? Why are Christians supporting laws that force others to live by their standards? All good questions. He says the answers to these questions are integral to the survival of Christianity. While the current state of Christianity might seem normal and business as usual to some, most see through the judgment and hypocrisy that has permeated the church for so long. People witness to this and say to themselves, why would I want to be a part of that? They're turned off by Christians and eventually Christianity altogether. And I would agree with, uh, with that assessment. It's pretty despicable what some of these uh, people who claim to be Christians are doing in the name of their religion. Well, they think that they... Um, and it that, makes them all look bad. That voting their religion means that they have to shove it down other people's throat. And even though there are good Christians out there, and a number of them are in our audience, the ones who don't want to shove it down other people's throats, the ones who are out there doing it and are out there lobbying for laws to be passed, taint the entire concept of Christianity. Because you're all under that same umbrella, whether you like it or not. Just like when somebody claims to be a libertarian and we don't think they're a libertarian. Unfortunately, we fall under that umbrella and yeah. they're tainting libertarianism. We'll come back with more of this. 800-259-9231, the son of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker on what happened, as he puts it, what the hell happened to Christianity. Your calls as well on uh, whether or not somebody should have, be able to have the government invade their body to gain evidence or whatever's on your mind. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Friday edition, Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We invite you to enjoy all the features there, totally free, including the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, over 900 pages, created by listeners like you. Wiki. FreeTalkLive.com and Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's first 1,000 pledge. We are close. Uh, we are within striking distance. Only 170 more people needed. Uh, sign up now. Head over. Are you just going to talk about freedom or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the first 1,000 pledge can make it happen today at FreeStateProject.org. That is FreeStateProject.org. As we return to Christianity and actually the sun of Tammy Faye and Jim Baker. Now, those are the televangelists, right? Yeah, that's them. Uh, he's the got ones his, in the 80s that had all those financial problems. He's got uh, his own church now. It's called the Revolution Church. And him and his uh, one of his staff members have written an article for uh, CNN.com uh, talking about the current state of Christianity. He asks, what the hell happened to Christianity? Pointing out that how is it that Christians came to the, uh, supporting laws that force others to live by their standards. And so he, that's what he's looking at here. He says that this sort of behavior by Christians is going to inevitably turn people off to Christians and Christianity altogether. And he's right about that. Unfortunately, you're all under the same umbrella. Now, I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. And I don't think you are either, Mark. No, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I mean, you would... No, I think there's too many things wrong with uh, the dogma that goes along with uh, Christianity. But I do believe in God. So uh, I want to make sure that everyone understands we're looking at this from the outside perspective here. I was a former Christian, as were you. Yes. Um, I'm certainly well-schooled in the uh, 
in, in Christianity. And and to be fair, the reason why I left Christianity was not because of the Pharisee Christians, was not because uh, I was turned off by their a- actions, more so that I just don't believe in God, that's all. Uh, but nonetheless, there are going to be a number of people that are turned off by uh, by Christians and uh, and some of their actions because they just want to uh, regulate and legislate their morality. Anyway, Jim, uh, or actually Jay, goes on. He says, we can't even count the number of times someone has given us a weird stare or completely brushed us off when they discover that we work for a church. So when did the focus of Christianity shift from the unconditional love and acceptance preached by their um, Jesus to the hate and condemnation spewed forth by certain groups today. Some say it was during the rise of conservative Christianity in the early 1980s with political action groups like the Moral Majority. Mm. Others say it goes way back to the 300s when Rome's Christian Emperor Constantine initiated a set of laws limiting the rights of Roman non-Christians. Regardless of the origin, one thing is crystal clear. It's not what Jesus stood for. His parables and lessons were focused on love and forgiveness, a message of come as you are, not as you should be. The bulk of his time was spent preaching about helping the poor and those who are unable to help themselves. At the very least, Christians should be counted on to lend a helping hand to the poor and others in need. This brings us to the big issues of American Christianity, abortion and gay marriage. These two highly debatable topics will not be going away anytime soon. Obviously, the discussion centers around whether they're right or wrong. But is the screaming really necessary? After years of witnessing the dark side of religion, Mark and I think not. Christians should be able to look past their differences and agree to disagree. This allows people to discuss issues with respect for one another. And I tell you, Mark, when we have articles about some Christian... uh, spokesperson's opinions on these issues, I don't really get the feeling that they have any respect whatsoever uh, for people that perform abortions or have abortions performed on them or are gay and want to get married. Well, I think that um, gay marriage is is a social issue. Um, what you're talking about there is uh, two people, you know, society condoning, quote unquote, two people living together, that that kind of thing. And I don't think that uh, Christians' um, religion should come into play on what those people think any more than anyone else's religion, um, what those people are doing with their lives any more than anyone else's religion should come into play on that. On the other hand, abortion is an issue of murder to Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think absolutely they should be raising a ruckus about something that they consider murder. I don't. I, I'm kind of on the fence on this. I know that if um, I know, I believe it's the ending of a human life. I'm not willing to call it murder because I don't think that uh, that human life is, um, you know, cognizant. Yeah, I don't really want to get into the details on it because uh, it's just a. That's like opening a Pandora's it is, box. It is an abyss. But you brought calls. it up, and, and you know, I don't I, think I understand. That, I don't think the Christians are wrong for um, wanting to, uh, you know. Uh, well, protest against that. I, I think they can protest it fine. I think they're wrong for wanting to throw somebody in jail for it. Okay, well, you're saying... And, and again, as he points out in this article, agreeing to disagree is about as far as it should go. Because being uh, zealous and uh, full of zeal on this and advocating for people to be locked up, for people to be punished for controlling their own bodies is not very friendly. And it's not going to get people to like you or like your religion at all. Um, and besides, uh, it is a you may be ending a human life, but it is at that time a parasitic human life at that point. Only then will Christianity see a return to its roots, loving God with all of your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. 
He says the Apostle Paul describes this idea of love beautifully in the Bible. Quote, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. But don't take our word for it. Look at what he and his followers stood for in his time and what Christianity stands for today. Then come to your own conclusion. And I think that we've come to the conclusion here on Free Talk Live that uh, Christianity today doesn't stand for what it once did. It's been perverted by people who want to control other individuals. I, I definitely think that uh, you know some people are misled in the way that they uh, want to see society structured you know around their religion, like a giant theocracy. And it's, it's that's got, not Christianity. Right. It's gotten to the point where when somebody labels themselves a Christian, I sort of you know recoil back and think and wonder myself, oh gosh, what sort of laws does this person want to uh, pass? Right. And I wonder what uh, – it's like they have this vision for the society they want to create, and they have accepted the idea that government coercion and force is the appropriate way to get there. And it's not. We have a vision for a society we want to create. Mm -hmm. I want to create a more voluntary society. You want to create one with uh, way less government. And uh, somewhere we're hopefully probably will meet in the middle somewhere. But we aren't enforcing our vision on others right. at the point of a gun. Nobody dies um, in the uh, the growing of this political philosophy. To that end, you and I would be more Christian than some of these so-called Christians are. If you're using it as an adjective to describe uh, um, charity and and love and those kind respecting of things. and and caring about others, which is what the 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 official line is supposed to be. You're supposed to love your neighbor even if you don't agree with what he or she does in the privacy of their own home. I can't argue with that. So I hope that more uh, more Christians today come across this message that these guys are putting out and come to the realization I wonder that if Jay Baker will be on uh, television maybe a decade from now, weeping his eyes out, hoping that you'll send him <laughs> some money. I don't know. I'm looking at it the picture. It worked for Dad and Mom. I'm looking at a picture of the guy, and he, I think the reason why he says that they uh, that he gets weird looks when they find out that he's a Christian, is because if you look at him, he just looks like a you know a kid, a young person. Wow. A uh, you, you don't wouldn't necessarily know by looking at him. He doesn't have crosses all over him or anything like that. That he is a Christian, and it makes sense that Christians would want to keep it to themselves these days. You made yourself look bad. If you've well, got thoughts, they on haven't it, made themselves look bad. Other Christians have made them look bad. That's true. If you've got thoughts on this, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Twelve Step up next. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just three dollars a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet eight toll free line for you, 1-800-259. Well, I couldn't keep it together on that one. Uh, Mark just dropped his headphones in his hot cocoa. (laughs) Nice job, Ace. (laughs) What do I do? How do I put my headphones Uh, in? I don't know. Grab some tissues here and uh, make clean up a little bit. Yeah, because I don't want to suck it on it. It's been in my ear. It's better than spilling the hot cocoa all over your laptop or something that like that. That would really that. be a so, bummer, considering that these headset, this headset's one of those that you could replace for maybe 4 99 yeah, or something yeah. like that. So we do have uh, alternate... I have to get the little bitty earbuds because I my ears stick out too far for those big 
kind of radio. Hit I have some earbuds here if you want to use warm. them. Mm, it's warm. <laughs> if you want to use them, um, but they cost ten dollars. So if you you'll have to replace them if you damage those, you just two. got overcharged. Okay. Anyway, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show. That's right. Right there on the front page of the site, for free. And he's drinking the hot cocoa. Mm, after tastes like earwax. <laughs> the headphones in them. Well, I don't have a very sensitive palate. My nose has been broken like seven times, so I wouldn't know the difference. And it's your own earwax. So, yeah, who yeah, cares? All right. So archives, uh, a year's worth, front page of the website for free at freetalklive.com. And... Is there a young person that's important to you? If so, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows how uh, shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student, by the way, graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call one 800 657 That's one 800 657 Six. Alrighty, so uh, let's see. We were going to uh, an email, actually, about the 12-step program. We dis- discussed 12-step on the air a few weeks ago, and one of our emailers who does not want to be recognized, because it is an anonymous program, the 12-step mm-hmm. thing, has a, a response. He says, Ian, in response to a recent podcast, I'd like to give you a little personal experience about the 12-step program that I've been a part of. I haven't seen the Penn & Teller's BS episode yet on it. But just based on your comments, number one, like Mark said, a desire to stop drinking, using, or whatever is a requirement to the programs. So court-ordered attendees are not really members unless they really want to get well. So I guess that uh, they're uh, ordered to attend, but you can't actually be a member unless you're ready to make a difference in your life. I don't know that there is any membership. I mean, there's... (laughs) He says he's been in a 12-step program, so I mean, uh, have you? Yes. Huh. So there's no membership. There's no um you don't I, I mean there's no dues or anything like that. It's not a it's not a club. Um it's it's a place where people go to get well. Maybe I you mean, can't get sponsored unless you're really serious. There's I think what he's saying is that uh I would think that that's probably true that, that people don't um that don't uh sponsor people that, are, that they don't feel are serious. No one likes to fail as a sponsor, I'm certain and uh Sure. And and you know that that can't be good for your own recovery. Number so. 2. That requirement is the only one, so atheists are quite welcome. Most people who come into the program are very turned off by religion in general. But isn't it true that there's a religious component to this? Don't they essentially say, I mean, according to the uh, episode of Penn and Teller's BS that I watched, uh, according to them, there's, like, you have to essentially give up control of yourself to some sort of higher power, Look, right? Penn and, Penn and Teller have been on for how many seasons now? They need Four to find new seasons. and newer, new and more things to call BS on. I'm sorry. I mean, it's... What, you're, t- you're saying they're lying about the religious component to the 12-step? I'm saying... Yes, I am. Absolutely saying... But they that showed some pretty persuasive evidence. Fine. You see, that's the thing. That's You believe Penn and Teller when they said that, and you believe that footage about Landmark, as though that's the crap that goes on. Look, man... The 12-step program, that's what's going on. Right. Okay, so you can take a snippet in time, a few minutes long, and decide that this is what's happening. As I recall, and I haven't seen the episode in a while. Look, I've been to, I don't care what Penn and Teller said. I've been to uh, close to 100 12-step meetings. They didn't tell you that you weren't responsible for your actions? It's not religious. They didn't tell you you weren't responsible for your actions? They're telling you that you're powerless over addiction. And apparently, you've done a crappy job handling your addiction thus far. You need a new system for handling it. 
I think you everyone... should give up your power to uh, to a higher power, right? And they say that higher power can be the chair over there. The chair's not doing drugs. Why are you? Hmm. So I don't really think that they're they're not pushing people that towards seems like religion. A cop out. Number you know three. what sounds like a cop not out is believing every goddamn thing Tim Penn and Teller says. Not specifically. And watch your language on the air. There's children listening. Number three, I have no Parents, doubt send that send your kids to bed. It's nine thirty. That double A uh, that uh, that Alcoholics Anonymous has a low success rate in terms of the number of uh, people to kick their habit by joining, but I'm pretty sure that it's still the most successful program out there. And if, like me, you've been successfully clean and sober for a long period of time thanks to the program, it doesn't matter. People die from addiction, he says. Number four, many successful 12-steppers were referred by the courts. Like you, I don't think these guys should have been in front of a judge in the first place. If they want help, they might find it in the program. If not, we're happy to sign their attendance slips. Number five, even in the program, many people don't believe addiction is a disease. Personally, I don't care what you call it. Truth- I'm, not, I'm not really convinced that addiction is, you know, I'm not convinced of the whole disease thing. I, I know that there's some arguments we can made on both sides of this issue. I'm not 100% convinced of that either. I know that it's real, and that's all that matters. He says the truth is, to the addict, the addiction does seem all-powerful since he's unable to stop drinking, using, or whatever on his own. This program helped me find the power to overcome it. And if it helps people, then I think that's fine. Mandating that people go there, mm, not so great. Number six, he says, there are many businesses, religions, etc., that try to benefit themselves at the expense of the addict or society in general. The 12-step program I've been a part of is not one of those. It's free, and there's no political or religious agenda. There's no power structure at all. Each group is completely autonomous. And so, so there. And, well, interesting. It is. They are basically autonomous. So, the, uh, but... I think it's a great program. When you say I'm they're not autonomous... I'm not saying it's the best program. Isn't there... I thought there was also some sort of a uh, a group that's overarching all of the 12-step programs. There's some sort of a home office for the 12-step program. I couldn't I tell you whether or not uh, Alcoholics Anonymous has a home office that does... Um, that handles, like, national um, press releases or something like that, but I wouldn't... Um, it, as to my experience, I would say that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous groups don't have to give money to that organization, um, you know, to the you know the, the head of that organization. Money doesn't trickle up, Is that right? as it were. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, there, there's not much money that goes into it anyway. It's coffee and donuts, and sometimes there aren't donuts. So they kind of like take a little collection for the donuts, and that's, that's really it. what it's about. Right. You know, it's uh, it's about handling the uh, the rent wherever they're at, and, and a lot of places, um, churches and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. will will for free. We'll give it to for free. Right. Um, a lot of churches don't want to have the alcoholics hanging out at their church, <laughs> and um, you know, it. it no, I don't know why you wouldn't want that. that. Helps people. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. I mean, these guys aren't going to be drinking at the meeting or anything. What's it matter if the alcoholics are meeting at your church? What's the objection there? Um, they, most alcoholics, and most people in the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and the Narcotics Anonymous meetings smoke. And uh, In the meeting? Not in the meeting, but they'll go outside. And then, okay, um, and that's you know, undesirable for some people, Wouldn't I you guess? say then, is so? I people mean, there's, smoking? there's no ashtrays outside of churches. The church? You know, I mean. True. You know, these are. They throw the butts on the ground. Prudent people, as it I were, you. and, you know, you don't. There must be a church out there with an ashtray somewhere. No, I know that uh, the church that I used to work at uh, that had the the radio station contained within within had Mm -hmm. an ashtray outside because the priest, in fact, smoked. Aha! There you go. The Episcopal priest. And if you know anything about radio people, there's plenty of smokers in this business. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You can't have have a radio (laughs) station. No, it's not. That's what some of them think. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Your experiences with Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Uh, so now we've got a bit of a conflict. Some people saying it's a religiously based organization. Others who've been involved, people like you and our email are saying, no, no, not, religious, uh, not religiously oriented at all. Uh, what is the truth? I'm not sure at this point. So I'd like to hear from you at 800-259-9231. As you know, we- Alcoholics Anonymous um, uh, is sort of an all-or-nothing organization. They don't really teach you how to drink responsibly or anything like that. Like I would say um, you know, I've been to these 12-step programs. I would say that I had a drinking problem in the past. Um, I don't now. So what's it going to take to give you a drinking problem again? That's what I want to know. Drinking too much. I know, but what's going to drive you to that? Is that possible at this point? I, I, I'm too old for that crap. That's good. 800-259-9231. You're over it. On the way, the drug war. And a pretty outrageous story about an informant, undercover officers, murders, uh, the border, the Mexican gangs. It's messy. And we'll explain it all coming up. You take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, but we only have moments remaining, and this is the Friday edition, but still enough time for your call if you make it now. Right now. 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. For all of your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give it away, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show. By becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, for instance, you can go to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up for the program. We've had a number of people, uh, over 300 of our listeners, sign up so far, and you could be one of them. Now, why on earth would you want to do something like that, Mark? Well... To help spread liberty um, here in America and in um, you know throughout the world. Well, certainly nobody else is doing uh, I, I think as effective a job as reaching out to new people and spreading the word about freedom as Free Talk Live. No, there's certainly no uh, program, no media out there that's as pro liberty as we are and uh, not as consistently, get, not as pervasive. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the Libertarian Party's been at it for 35 years now and they're still sort of struggling. And they don't really have any way to really reach out to anybody besides maybe uh, an activist going and setting up a booth at the county fair, which is something I've done. And I know that that, while it may turn a few people on to liberty, it doesn't really reach out and and grab them. It doesn't uh, get them on an emotional basis. And, you know, I was listening this morning to the local talk show here in uh, in Keene, Mm -hmm. New Hampshire, and it reminded me of why talk radio is so is such a powerful medium. When And this is something they talk about in the business. I don't know how often it's actually been discussed on the air, so this is kind of shop talk at this point, radio uh-huh. talk. Uh, talk radio creates a connection between the host of the show and the listener. Now, it's not a real connection. You don't really know me, and you don't really know Mark, but you feel like you do because... You spend time with us on a daily basis in many cases or whenever you get a chance sort of a basis depending on your schedule. Um, and it's it's personal. When you hear somebody on the radio, whether it's me or Mark or any other talk show host that you enjoy, when you hear somebody on the radio, they're sharing their thoughts, their insights with you and, of course, our callers as well. But you, you come to get to know that individual um, more than, of course, they know you, obviously, because it's just a it's more of a one way thing. Now, um, but I, I don't. I know you got a point that you're getting to, but we try to be darn honest here. I mean, there's. Yeah. We we can call uh you know uh, 
call everybody off on a certain area in our lives that we don't want to talk about ahead of time. But generally, we try to talk about most everything. I mean, you Absolutely. don't really have a life, so we don't talk about yours very much. Free Talk Live is my life. Yes. Right. But we did talk about um, when the breakup between you and your ex went on. We talked about that. Right. But it really just, exactly, it really just reminded me, not only just of personal stories, but just there's that connection. You, it's you. You know, we're talking to you. Even though there's an audience, and I think you probably know it, that there's an audience of thousands, if not uh, several uh, thousand people out there listening to this show, you know somewhere in the back of your mind that there's someone else listening. But that doesn't eliminate that sort of uh, connection that is made with talk radio. And I felt that again this morning as I was listening to the uh, the morning show, just like, yeah, you know, this this talk radio is great. I got yeah. that, you know, good fuzzy feeling about talk radio. Yeah, and, talk radio is great. Okay. And, uh, and, and I obviously love doing it. And it, it gets such a response since it is so personal. People really pay attention to what is said. Now, they may vehemently disagree. They may agree, but they pay attention. To what's said on talk radio. They, they say, for instance, in the in the radio sales business, when you're trying to sell a talk radio station to somebody, you can make the point that, well, somebody will tune in to a talk show through static yeah. to hear what's being said, I, I, but nobody's going to listen to the Mariah Carey Christmas song through static. They just don't care enough. Well, what they, what they, the way they say it is, when you're, in a, um, when you're listening to your radio um, station and it gets staticky, when it's music, you switch the station. When it's talk, you turn the volume up. Yep. Exactly right, because it's that personal connection. It really is, there's, because it's unique content that cannot be duplicated anyplace else, whereas a rock and roll station can play the same rock and roll song yep. all over the place or any time. And, you know, the one station can play it in town, and the next minute the next station Sometimes can Sometimes you can flip stations in the same songs at the same you time. You can absolutely do that. I've With Talk that Radio, there's only one station in town that you can listen to Free Talk Live on. That's right. And so the reason I bring it up is because, you know, it was reminding me how personal talk radio is. And I'm saying that this is one of the reasons why I think that Free Talk Live is so much more successful and will be, in the long run, far more successful than many of the other libertarian outreach organizations. Because we're not relying on a stranger at a booth to find new libertarians. We may be strangers, but for some reason, being behind the microphone... And coming out through somebody's car radio speakers or coming out on somebody's iPod, something about that they get to know us gives us more credibility than the stranger doing the outreach at the booth. Yeah, there's that's, that's all. There's a certain level of credibility and there's a certain level of uh, um, connectedness to the listener. Um, like for instance, um, you know, I've just had people talk to me about things that uh, we were talking about on the air that I don't remember we oh, were yeah. talking about, <laughs> and to them it was a Poignant experience, right? Oh my God! Um, I mean, that's just, it. Just shows that the relationship um, f- with talk radio that people have, absolutely, and, and that's why it's powerful. Amp, that's why AMP is so important because it allows you to support this show, the show that's doing the the most outreach for the liberty movement of any show in the world, I might say. The show that's really bringing people to this message, you heard Maggie call in earlier if you were listening, I think, mm-hmm. during hour number two, somebody who just happened to spot us on iTunes. Right. She just bought an iPod a few days ago, saw us up there on the iTunes chart, clicked in, listened in, and f- discovered for the first time in her life that there were other people out there, mm-hmm. that there was a movement of people out there that th- thought the same way that she did, that believed in liberty. And it didn't matter to her that we weren't Christians. 
Now, um, iTunes is indirectly affected by AMP in the sense that um, you know we get more people to listen, and the, therefore that's more popular on iTunes. So I was just pointing so, out, yeah, that I'm just I'm just making the that power clear. of what's going on with this show. We people, really people change, come across people's lives in all different ways. So amp.freetalklive.com allows you to become a part of Free Talk Live more than just listening. It allows you to uh, send up three dollars a month to the show. We take it in and we turn it around into promoting. This program, getting it on more radio stations, getting more internet listeners on board, and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Michael Hampton at HomelandStupidity.us reporting, how far will the government go to prosecute the war on drugs? It will look the other way while one of its informants commits multiple murders. Holy crap. Then it will try to cover up its own complicity. A few weeks ago or months ago, I was privileged to speak with several whistleblowers from the National Security Whistleblowers Coalition, which calls for protection from retaliation for national security government employees who report waste, fraud, abuse, and other misconduct. So then he gets into the story here. Sandalio Gonzalez worked for the DEA for 32 years before he retired in January of 2005 as special agent in charge of El Paso, Texas. He was working in cooperation with the ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, on the Vincente Carrillo Fuentes drug cartel in Ciudad Juarez, just across the Rio Grande. The government had managed to get an informant, Guillermo Ramirez, uh, known as Lalo, recruited into the organization. But Lalo, it seems, was playing both sides. When he was arrested for smuggling pot in 2003, the DEA dropped him as an informant, but ICE kept him on. From here, the story takes a bizarre turn. A month later, Lalo supervised the August 2003 murder of Mexican lawyer Fernando Reyes in a house in East Juarez, which would become known as the House of Death. Wow. But ICE, even though they knew it happened, kept using him as an informant with the approval from the highest levels of the United States government. Because apparently when an informant kills somebody, you're supposed to drop him as an informant according to the government rules. But they went up the chain, like almost up to... Bush himself, like somebody just below Bush, wow. and got approval to keep this guy on board. And they kept using him, even after, the, after he killed at least a dozen people, including El Paso resident Luis Padilla in an apparent case of mistaken identity. Gonzalez said, quote, there were at least 15 people that were killed and that could have been stopped at the very beginning. Every indication is they were allowed to occur in furtherance of a case, a criminal case. Yeah, a drug case. This organization... This bureaucracy allowed people to die because they wanted to gather evidence on a drug dealer. Can you believe this? I can't imagine. They're I mean, willing they're, to sacrifice innocent life. You know, their their morals are all screwed up. It's one of the, the sickest things. And then there's uh, there's even more here about uh, retaliation because they found out the informant was still uh, active when an undercover DEA agent barely escaped with his life when the cartel went looking to kill him. DEA top management threatened me that if I didn't retire, they would give me a bad evaluation, said Gonzalez. He refused and did indeed get a downgraded performance evaluation. So he filed a complaint with the Merit Systems Protection Board. Quote, I had enough to where I was granted a hearing in my case where I had the right to question all these officials. Before that happened, they went ahead and settled the case. He retired and immediately filed an employment discrimination lawsuit. His case is now being heard in federal court in Miami, Florida. Lalo is now facing the killer, is now facing federal detention or in detention, facing deportation, despite being granted asylum, a decision the government successfully appealed. What about murder? I don't know, man. It's crazy stuff. He's protected by his uh, pals at ICE. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, none of this would be happening if it weren't for the war on drugs. See you tomorrow night. Good night. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 